couple different ways of reading scripture this morning. Ashley is going to read kind of the traditional uh, text from the book of John. If you want this, Ashley, you can. And then we'll have a, a more kind of creative, poetic reading from, from my girls after that. So hear the word of God. From the book of John 1, 1 through 14. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not receive, did not recognize him. Yet to all, he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Let us listen for God speaking to, to us through the ancient poetry of John 1. In the beginning was the Word. Way back a long, long time ago, before the stars, before the day, before the rivers were carved, up, carved out of clay, in the beginning, way back in that beginning, was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He, Jesus, was in the beginning with God. In other words, we cannot say that love was born in a stable that day. For love was born when the horizon was drawn. It was born in the dark long before dawn. Love was born with the very first sea and when God breathed life into you and me. Long before Maggie or Shep magi or shepherds or dreams long before sheep or angels that sing Lo love was here building a way then and now and on christmas day for all things came into being through him and without him not one thing came into being and what has come into being in him was life and the life was the light of all people and so jesus shined light a light in the dark or a star in the sky jesus walked into this world and opened our eyes shining a light on social divides and loving the scars we tried to hide he lit up this world like it's never seen the light of all people emmanuel king
The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. Hatred did not over, hatred did not overcome it. Fear did not overcome it. Greed did not overcome it. The light shines in the darkness. Envy did not overcome it. Doubt did not overcome it. Sacredy, scarcity did not overcome it. A light shines in the darkness. Death did not overcome it. Sickness did not overcome it. Grief did not overcome it. For he was in the beginning with God. Way back a long, long time ago, before the stars, before the day, before the rivers were carved out of clay, and what has come into being in him was life. So we cannot be with magis and sheep, for this story begins at the brink. Of creation and light. Of you and me. Of beloved and love. Of being set free. For in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and that light shines in the darkness. It always has, and it always will. That is where our story begins, with love for creation from beginning to end. I, uh, I find the story of Jesus' birth to be an incredible one, uh, of course. We've been reading it in various ways uh, for the last 24 hours or so, or 12 hours or so. Uh, uh, but it's, it's also kind of a weird story. Uh, the story of Jesus' birth is kind of convoluted and even a little bit disorienting. Uh, it's, one, it's one that can be understood and retold in so many different and yet equally faithful ways. Like, like we get kind of a different telling with each gospel writer, and they tell different things, they say it in different ways, and each of them is capturing kind of the essence of Jesus come near, and yet the stories are like almost completely different. Uh, uh, in a lot of ways, it's a really lovely, quaint story. In lots of ways, the birth of Jesus is nice. It's sweet. It's cute. You know, there there are tons of fun characters in the story. There's there's animals and there's shepherds and there's angels uh, and eventually some astrologers from the east. It's all kind of wrapped up with a bow. It's this this nice little story. There there are memorable moments and surprising plot twists in the story with a a very pregnant woman riding a donkey for miles just to take a census for some reason. And then there's no place for them to stay despite Bethlehem being their hometown. And, and the only place available is a barn or a cave. And, and suddenly a bunch of stinky shepherds uh, burst into the delivery room eager to meet the newborn. I, like, it's just, it's a funny story. It's kind of quaint. You, you could like write a sitcom out of it, right? Like, like you, you could make it sort of nice and sweet and even a little bit funny. It's this delightful story that's worth retelling and celebrating each and every year. And that's, that's mostly the story that we get out of Matthew and Luke. And that's, we basically read Matthew and Luke this time of year. But the Christmas story that we get from the Gospel of John 
is pretty different. It's a different type of story. He tells it in a different way. And it has a a pretty radically different theme to it. Uh, I think to boil John's gospel introduction down to just one word, uh, I I think John is essentially talking about power. Like this this text that we just read, I I think if you think about the details of it, if you pull your pew Bible out and glance at it again, I think there's themes of power that run throughout these five verses that essentially sum up uh, Jesus coming to this earth. Uh, John starts by talking about the incredible power that Jesus has. He's a po- this is a powerful Jesus. In the beginning was the Word. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. These are power these are power statements. Uh, it's, it's language that revolves around power. He's not just a swaddled baby cooing in a feed trough. Uh, it's good to tell that part of the story. That's true. It's not, it's not that that's not true, but John flips the story and tells it a little differently. This isn't just a little harmless baby. He's God himself. This is, this is God laying there. God, God is there, present since the beginning, the very word that brought all of creation into existence, nothing was made without this baby. Like, it twists the story a little bit, doesn't it? It's not just this sweet little story, it, that's true too, but this baby is God himself to which nothing that has been made, nothing that you see has come into existence without this baby. This young one is powerful beyond compare. No one or no thing is his rival. Kind of, kind of different. John, John wouldn't want us to forget that the fact that in the midst of the nostalgia and sweetness of our normal Christmas celebration, that this sweet little infant literally brought the world into existence. John wants us to remember that as he's telling the story. Which is why the rulers and kings of the earth are constantly jealous of and threatened by Jesus. They wouldn't be threatened by a sweet little baby, right? If that's all Jesus was, if he's just a little baby that lays in the straw, kings wouldn't be trying to kill him, leaders wouldn't be trying to kill him now and throughout his entire life. These rulers of the world are constantly jealous of and threatened by Jesus all throughout his life, but even now, as he's just an infant, they, they secretly want to be like him, to be fawned over, to be doted upon, to be followed and loved and flocked to. They want Jesus' power, but the way of the world doesn't allow for two kings. You can only, have, you only get one king, only one Only one person gets to be king here. Uh, The way of the world is one of scarcity, where one person's power robs the power of another. So these rulers of the world can't both keep their power and allow Jesus to keep his life. The whole story is wrapped around power. It's everywhere. Even as an infant, Jesus is a threat. It's cute. I'm sure he was cute. He must have been. But he's a threat from the very beginning. The powers that be start working very hard to eliminate this threat from the very get-go. It's 
It's kind of an, it's the other Christmas story. It's the other side of the Christmas story. But John's telling of the story demonstrates that Jesus was thinking about power in in an entirely different way, thank God. John, he says that Jesus has all the power, he kind of sets you up, and then he twists the story again on us because he's a brilliant writer. Despite having all the power uh, in the universe at his very fingertips, John says that in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. He could do whatever he wants. He can be a dictator. He can crush his enemies with all power and authority. He could overthrow Caesar. He can overthrow the Roman government and bring the Jews into authority once again. He can do anything. He created it all. Nothing that's been made has come without his power. And yet, he doesn't do any of that. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. All these other power-hungry leaders are actually trying to take away life, to inhibit the life of others so that they can maintain their power or to even gain more power. But not Jesus. Not, Not the Messiah that we celebrate here this morning. His power actually creates life. It actually provides life. He's come to do a very different thing than most rulers. He's the king, but he doesn't operate the way the other kings do. His power creates life. It provides life. Jesus employs the power he has on behalf of his people to bless and to serve us and to offer us the fullness of life, life that is really life. And John goes on to say that Jesus actually uses his power to overthrow darkness itself, that he, the light of the world, shines in the darkness, and darkness cannot overcome it. That's the sort of king that we serve. The power of Jesus is a death-dispelling, evil-eliminating, brokenness-binding sort of power. As John essentially says, the power of Jesus lights up the world. That's a different Christmas story, right? The other one's true too. The other one's faithful and good, and I'm glad we essentially celebrated that last night. The delightful Christmas story. And it's worth celebrating, but it's worth remembering that John John reminds us that there's kind of this other side of the Christmas story, and it's that Jesus has come to light up the world. In a different sort. This is a different sort of baby. Yes, I'm sure he was cute and cuddly and the shepherds found him adorable. I'm sure he had his cute little cheeks uh, that, that you just wanted to pinch. But this is a revolutionary baby. It's, di- it's, a, different, it's a different baby. This, this baby is powerful beyond compare but uses his power in all the right ways and for all the right people. It's lovely. And Mary, his mother, understood this. She, she knew that this wasn't, Mary, did you know? Yep, she knew. She knew exactly what her son was doing because her song in Luke 1, the Magnificat, declares this very thing. This is what Mary says. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, 
All generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. This baby's this is a revolutionary baby. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Yes, that is what God is like, but it also means that that's what this baby is like. Because this, this baby is God himself come near. Jesus cares about the lowly and the hungry and the desperate, and his ministry will be one that levels the playing field for everyone, providing justice for the oppressed and mercy for his people. Je Jesus uses this power that he's had from the very beginning in ways that are good and right and loving and kind. He's not just sweet, he's also a prophet. He's also a revolutionary, and he's doing a, a different sort of thing. Now, as is, uh, as is often the case with my sermons, I think the takeaway for us this Christmas morning is a little bit worship and a little bit work. I think, what are we supposed to hear this morning? What are we supposed to walk out the doors with that, that can kind of energize us for the weeks and, and months to come? Well, the takeaway is a little bit worship and a little bit work. This morning we celebrate that the all-powerful God of the universe has come near. He's here among us, he's with us, God with us, Emmanuel, he is in the flesh and is now with us forever. And I'm especially grateful that Jesus comes in power, but not that kind of power. He's come with power that he, he, he wields for us and not over us, bringing light and life into the world. So our first posture this morning is simple worship. Thank, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Emmanuel, thank you for coming to be with us. But the Christmas story also gives us some work to do. We start with worship, but it gives us a job gives us a task, some work. I love how uh, the poet uh, Howard Thurman says it in, in his poem, When the Songs of the Angels is Stilled. This is how the poem reads. When the song of the angels is stilled, when the star in the sky is gone, when the kings and princes are home, when the shepherds are back with their flocks, the work of Christmas begins to find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner, to rebuild the nations, to bring peace among the people, to make music in the heart. When everything else has kind of subsided, when the gifts have been opened and played with for a little, when, when everything, all the hustle and bustle of Christmas Christmas Day kind of ends, the meal has been eaten, and the, the dishes have been done. Howard Thurman says that's when the Christmas work begins. Now we get to live out the thing that Jesus came to do. We're 
participants with him. Jesus' arrival as the powerful yet humble servant invites us to wield our own power well as well. Jesus' incarnation isn't just a nice story. It's a perfect example. It's not just, oh, I love reading that story every year about Jesus coming to earth and being made flesh, moving into the neighborhood, as Eugene Peterson says. It's not just a nice story. It's a perfect example because we are invited to be incarnated as well, to show up for people, to be with those who are hurting, to provide for those who are struggling, to bring hope and peace and joy and love into our world, just like Jesus has on this very day. May it be so. Let's pray. God, we thank you so